Hi friends, it's Kayla Moran and welcome back to the Let's Get Canted podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Happy Thanksgiving, happy Thursday. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. Tara is the OG babe on a mish and she is someone that I'm so happy I get to call my friend. And we may have only met on social media, but she has truly become one of my friends in real life. And I can't wait to one day fly to Hawaii and meet her or meet her somewhere else around the world. Really fast, I want to do a second suite of the week and then we'll jump right into the episode. My suck of the week is that this episode is going up a little later than I usually like it to go up on Thursdays just because my flight was delayed three times and I just didn't think I would make it on time. To be honest, I really thought my flight was going to be canceled, but I got to then record this intro for you while I'm reheating Thanksgiving dinner because we prepped it few days before. And then my sweet of the week is that I am officially 24. It was my golden birthday and I just am really, really grateful to see 24 and I have a feeling that this is going to be my best year yet. And I'm really happy that I get to share it all with you guys on my Instagram, on my blog, and here on the podcast because you get to know me a little bit better here. And I just, there's so much in store for me. There's so much in store for the podcast and this year, there's just something about it, but I really think this is going to be my year, and I can't wait to have you all along for the ride. So without further ado, meet Tara. Hi, Tara. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy that we got to chat, even with the time change. It's like 10 o'clock there for you, 9.45, and it's yeah, 4, yeah. 4 p.m. here, so I'm happy that we're able to do this, because I think I was telling you off air, we've been talking for a while, like, I just... I generally love seeing like the whole babe on a mish like brands, like, and what that entails for you. Like, I would love to like dive deeper into all of that and like how it came about, but that's, I don't know. It's like synonymous with you, which obviously that's the point. It's your brand. But I just like, I love that you're, you're so like authentic to yourself. And like, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I love like, I'm glad I, I'm glad I connected with you through Sivan Ayla. Like that's how we met. And so I'm really excited, but tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Like how, how did Babe on a Mish come out, come about? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say that Babe on a Mish, we're all babes on a Mish in the air on the ground. Um, I really wanted to transcension that, transcend that through every man or woman, because we all have our own lives going on. And we're all on these little mini missions every day. Um, I'm from Tampa, Florida. I moved to Hawaii in like 2005. Um, after going to a really quick um, story, I went to a good friend of mine's wedding. We were both waitresses at the swamp at University of Florida. And she was like, hey, I'm getting married in Hawaii. Will you be my bridesmaid? And I was like, uh, fuck yes. So we, I went on a girl's trip and had the best time of my life. And then I called my mom and asked her to extend my trip because <laughs> it was only a few hundred more dollars and I had, you know, ran out of money, but I still wanted to stay and went home and was like, if I don't make it back with me here, then I'll never do it. And I just had this feeling inside that I belonged here. Um, from the second I got off the plane, I was just loved it. And I, you know, it was before the recession and I just felt like, if it didn't work out, my family would fly me home. And uh, yeah, I just kind of rolled from there and got really lucky and ran into all the right people and the rest is history. So that's so cool. And I, it's like, I love when it, things work out like serendipitously, like, it's just like, you yeah. 
like it, that, and that's, that's the key to success is like just going with the flow and like finding what works for you and sticking to it. So I, I love that story. So you moved to Hawaii. Like, did you graduate college or like, um, well, I kind of left before they asked me to leave. <laughs> um, I would like to have a good time. And I also definitely would call my twenties, the roaring twenties, because I capitalized on the moments of just having a, a grand old time. Um, I moved to Hawaii. My goal was always to be a flight attendant, but when I first applied, I just lightly did it like any application and didn't really realize the detail I had to go into or a resume or anything. So of course I didn't even get an interview. And then um, I just became a waitress, which has always been like the backbone for me of falling back into anything you can do it in any city and, and make cash easy, quick. And I was really into astrology. My goal was also to be like an astrologer on the radio, but you know, you just get distracted. I started surfing and just kind of living a really fun lifestyle here. And then, um, about five years ago or six or six years ago, I felt like I had really hit a glass ceiling um, with being a waitress. Um, it was, it's one of the most lucrative jobs in Hawaii because obviously a lot of the economy is tourism based. So it was making great money, but I just, you know, around 30 or so you start feeling like, okay, what am I doing? Where am I going? Do I have a retirement? All of these things. And um, that's when I started to apply to be a flight attendant again. And, you know, I didn't get it on my first try in Hawaii. It's one of the highest coveted jobs here to become a Hawaiian Airlines flight attendant, that and becoming a, in the fire department. So it's really hard to get that job. Um, so I actually tried three times total. And on my third time, I finally got the job. So that's so interesting. I want to talk more about the application and like, yeah. obviously what it's really like and all of that, but why, so, why, so why? Why, but why firefighting? Why is that one of the other like, really um, coveted jobs? I don't, I don't know. That's kind of like so interesting. Um, yeah, firefighters. Um, it's just like I'm assuming. I don't really know. Actually, I don't. I couldn't tell you why. That was just interesting people. to me that you said that. I was like, yeah, oh, I would love it, to. Well, they're the two hardest programs I think to get into here in Hawaii. So maybe that's why. Um, being a flight attendant, like when I applied, I don't know if it's different now, but in the past, like they would only put it up and only be accepting, let's say a thousand applications or 500. And from there, they would only pick 30 people anyways for the class, but, um, it would fill up in five minutes and then be taken down. So like, you couldn't just upload your, you had to be on the computer when the app and you yeah. didn't know when it was, you had to have a connection to know when it was being posted. So, so it's just stressful. Like I'm getting kind of clammy just talking about it. <laughs> no, but I think it's so important to talk about because I wonder if it's like that for other airlines or I don't other think cities. So. I don't think so. I don't think it's like that for other airlines because we're a really small airline still yes. yet. Yeah, so we still have um, just, I mean, someone will probably correct me, but maybe just 2,000, maybe a little over 2,000 flight attendants, which, you know, if we're talking Delta or American, they have like 50,000. So yeah. that might also be an exaggeration, but quite a few more. No, yeah, they definitely have more. I have a friend who's an American flight attendant, which I want to have on one time. Like, United, you know, they're, they've got. Yeah, heat. they're big. Um, but yeah, so talk a little bit about, so you applied three times. Their time was the charm as it often is like what was, so you talked a little bit about what the application was like, but what, once you get in, you're in the class, what is it really like? What is the process to become a flight attendant really like? Okay, so what nobody tells you 
or I didn't know any flight attendants. I mean, I knew a few, actually, that's not true. I knew like one or two. I never really discussed the details of the job. Um, I just knew that it had great benefits, um, health insurance and stability, and it was going to be a career of longevity for me. So, and with my skill set of being in customer service, it was just right up my alley. Um, but I had no idea that what I was about to get thrown into. First of all, the application process is pretty rigorous for Hawaiian Airlines anyways. Um, not only do you have to have your application, like basically a profile uploaded. So when the application is open to apply, you can just upload it right away. So you can do that for any career within the company. Um, so I did that. And then it's letters of recommendation um, from anywhere, but I'm sure like I, I was lucky enough to have like a couple local leaders and another flight attendant help me. Um, and then from there, the first round is like, you know, I mean, two days. I don't know for my class, I think it was around 1200 people that a plot that were a part of it, but it's literally a little bit of a cattle call. You have to go in. There's very strict rules, like unspoken rules. Let me just say they're unspoken rules, everybody. So they're not, <laughs> it's not like Hawaiian Airlines says this, but you know, and it's, you want to look the part, you know, basically what I say is like, fake it till you make it, you know, so the flowers and the hair, you know, if you've ever seen a Hawaiian Airlines flight attendant, um, you want it to be in like a pantsuit or a dress pantsuit or a skirt, you know, um, no phone with you, be very interactive with everyone, but you go through like a reach test and like very basic physical things that you need to do to become a flight attendant. And that's a reach test without heels and um, then you're put into a group and ask questions and first it's a group and then you like go home and you know <laughs> have anxiety for hours until you get another email saying you've made it to another round of interviews and it ends up being like three or four rounds of interviews till you're finally on a one-on-one -on -one interview and even then you're just like oh my god you still don't know yeah so um and then you you get the call that you get the job and then you don't know this. I mean, I didn't know this. Some people are privy to this information, but you get, it's eight weeks unpaid training for our airline. Some airlines I think are paid. So luckily I was kind of prepared for, I always have like three months rent saved. It's just something. Super smart. Paid. Yeah. Um, so I was prepared, but also like what? And then it's 10 hours up to eight hours, eight to 10 hours a day. Um, for our airline in particular, you have to graduate with a 90%, which means you can't get below a 90% on any of your tests. So that means you're only allowed to miss one or two questions, depending on how many questions are on the test. And you start the first day with the test because they give you information. And then from there, you have two to three tests a week. And you basically are trained, not basically, you're completely trained in knowing everything about the aircraft, emergency situations, and I'm, when I say everything about the aircraft, I mean the name of the door last release, release handle. Like, like, and then for us, we had to verbally tell the, at the end of the entire period, and we learned, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but- my, No, you're good. My, this is really interesting. We have, depending on which airline you fly for, you'll have a different fleet of aircrafts. So we have Airbus and Boeings, but then within the Airbus and Boeing are two different models of each aircraft. So you have to learn each aircraft and you have to memorize where the safety equipment is um, and what all the names of everything is. Um, 
the ev emergency evacuation scenarios for each aircraft, and then from and then the drills for each aircraft. So you get tested on that throughout the eight weeks. And each time you have a test, you have to wait outside the door, and then you get back into the door and you flip over your paper and you're just like, okay, I passed this one. Like, even though you know you passed it, like I'm like getting sweaty right now talking about no, this. No, I die anxiety. Oh my God. I don't know how you can. Yeah. So then, um, and you become really close with your classmates because you guys are all going through this, you know, yeah. nobody can't describe the kind of stress that you're under every month, no. every day. And you can't be late to class and you have to look immaculate every single day. Um, and then at the end, when you graduate, before you graduate, you have to actually regurgitate all the information that you just learned in a verbal exam. So it's no like learn and dump, like learn and dump the information. Like you have to this information verbally from day one, everything that you've learned. And then you think it's all over, but you're on probation for six months, which means oh the God. company can literally fire you over anything, any mishap or anything. And then you have a three month comp check, which is the exact same test again, verbally, and then six months. And then you finally can like breathe, you know? Yeah. So that is intense. It reminds me a little bit of law school <laughs> and like hazing, like holy Shit. I know I was just talking so fast because it just gives you like everyone jokes about this, but it's so true. You get kind of like a PTSD. Like, yeah. but, but I mean, I think it's so important. One, it's okay to joke about it now because you you've been there, done that, you passed it. But like, it's good that you have that camaraderie and, that you, and people get yeah. it. Like, and yeah, no one like same with law school. Like, if you're not in it with us, like you don't understand. Like, no matter what you do, like if you did not do it, you do not understand. So I totally agree. But like it's so important to share these things for people who, even if they never want to do flight attendant, but we all fly or most of us like see what they went through. And you know, like you yeah, always, there. the headlines you hear and stuff like the, they're people too. They've been through a lot to be there and like, just be nice to them. And also oh, like, yeah. just also to not just like that we're flight, like we, we see you guys, but also that like, you know, this is, it's it's not all fun and games. It's it's First a hard all, job. I to remind everybody that it's an amazing thing that we're in a metal tube traveling at 500 miles per hour in the air, 35,000 feet. Like that's still really radical. Yeah. Um, we're trained for your safety. So if you're going to be mean to me, just remember if shit goes down up in the air. No, I'm just kidding. But when shit <laughs> does go down up in the air. There is nobody else that you have except for us. Yeah. And captain's not coming out. Like, so yeah. Yeah. So we're trained, you know, I've dealt with seizures and applying oxygen and unfortunately death on board and like a lot of different scenarios and flight attendants have saved lives. And I know flight attendants that have helped save children's lives because like you have to react. And I, that is something that I didn't know. And I don't expect people to know, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm happy to tell people that because I didn't know it. I didn't know I was going to be trained as a first responder, you know, and that's what I am. I'm a first responder. Yeah. yeah. So, and also we don't get paid until the doors close. Yeah. News. Oh, I, I've heard, of, I heard about that recently. Yeah. From my friend who's a flight center yeah. American. Wow. So there's a lot that we go through, you know, and at the end of the day, like, we're just, you know, trying to make a living too. And we love our jobs, but it's, it's a bummer when people are, are a bummer because it's like, Hey, I'm here for you. Honestly, I am. That's why I'm here. Yeah. I love that you're, 
that's why I wanted to have you on. Like, I want people to see this side. And that's part of the whole reason I started this podcast and like to share those stories. And like, it's a, has its amazing glamorous perks, but it's not all glamorous. And like, I want people to, who want to be flight attendants or thinking about it or don't know what they want to do, but like, that sounds interesting to them, like Mm -hmm. to know what it takes her to see. And I've got every airline's different, like you said, but you know, there's some sort of degree of all of this in every single one. So I think that's so, so interesting. So what, so now that you're a flight attendant, you made it through like, however long the process actually adds up to be, what's it really like being a flight attendant, like the perks, the benefits, like like dealing with bad days on a flight, good days, like the layovers and like showering in an airport, like sleeping on the floor, like all of it. What's it really like? Get nitty yeah. gritty. Okay. Well, it's definitely a life pivot. I will say. <laughs> I bet. And not just for you, for everyone involved in your life, whether that's family, boyfriend, husband, friends, um, you become unavailable and you miss out on things in the beginning. Uh, the entire company across every airline is seniority based. So everyone starts at the bottom and yeah, and it's also not good pay at first. So you may be getting called for a five-day Brisbane, um, but you'll spend maybe $500 that you don't have on that trip. <laughs> yeah. Um, the nitty gritty of it is, is like not sleeping correct, um, consistently. Um, I'd say like my biggest struggle and I still struggle with, I've gotten a little bit better is time management and also knowing when to rest I'm a very active person. Um, I actually really do embody what it is to be a babe on a mish. Like, I feel like I'm always doing something. And my boyfriend, Simon, who has been such a support system, really has to tell me, like, you need to just sit down and take a 20-minute nap, a 30-minute nap. Like, I would say, like, it's really, really hard on your body. Yeah. Um, there's the sleeping schedule is very minimum. Um and we don't take showers in the airport, um, but we do have delays that maybe probably make us wish there was an option yeah. for a shower. <laughs> um, but it's a very unpredictable industry. Another thing, like one time I was on my way to Sydney and there was a lightning storm and we had to divert to Brisbane. And then all of a sudden my trip, I mean, these kinds of things happen all the time. Yeah. And, um, it's a, There's a whole other subculture to it that's so rad and so cool um, in another community, but it's, it's a hard life. Um, you only get paid for the hours in the air, which I think is very different, you know, so I'll, I'll have three hours before I actually am getting paid that I three to four hours, depending on, you know, with the check-in, the delays, or just the aircraft not being there on time, or who knows, you know, it could be as little as two or as much as four where I'm not getting paid you know, um, before my workday actually starts. So it may be only a hundred hours or so in the air, but, you know, multiply that by probably, I don't know, maybe like 150 and when it's all said and done, which it's kind of crazy, but the benefits are great. I have to say my company in particular, I feel very blessed. They took care of us during the pandemic. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I feel really lucky that because we're a niche airline, we have really great customers and passengers that want to fly us. Um, we have kind of a different clientele than I feel like a lot of the mainland carriers have as far as like people are generally very happy when they come to Hawaii. So 
they're a lot nicer um vacation usually or yeah, business. yeah 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 but it, it's it's not all the glamour i will say that it's yeah. hard you know i mean I get puffy. I never knew I could get as puffy as I have been. I've dealt with like a lot of stomach issues. It's not going yeah. to the bathroom when you always want to go. It's like all of these yeah. little nuances. No, I want to talk about that. I, cause my friend was talking about it too. Like the puffiness and like, she's like, I have a bunch of filters on right now. Cause like things are rough right now with like yeah. the, the pressurized air and the air the oh, cabin and like all yeah. of that. So I know you love like the skinny confidential ice roller. So do I. So yes. I, I wanted to talk about like how hard it is it really not just like, yeah, like the lifestyle change for your family and friends and people around you, but like on you, your, your mental health, your body, like, yeah, I would say like the physical, the physicality of being a flight attendant is unlike something that, I mean, you definitely, you get conditioned to but you don't. So like, I try not to fly high every month. And last month I flew like 120 hours, which is a lot for me and a lot in general. Um, some, some flight attendants would scoff and say, no, I fly that every month. Um, I can't handle it mentally or physically. I become somebody I don't want to be. My attitude, I'm tired, I'm cranky. Just like you're off your schedule, you run puffy. I mean, this may be too much information, no, but you don't, share. you don't always get your digestive system going every I struggle with my digestive system and I did a podcast (laughs) on that. So no, you're good. Like nothing is too too (laughs) TMI. So like simple things like going on your scheduled program of number two, like you don't get to go and that can like kind of fuck you up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. Or just like general puffiness. Like I just, I didn't even know I ran puffy, you know, and now I'm like, it takes me a few days to completely de blow. It doesn't, I can take, I've taken stuff too, and it does help, but it's, it, it takes a few days to de blow. And then like, you're tired and let's say you're like, oh, I'm going to rest. I don't want to work out. And then all of a sudden you're like, God, I haven't worked out in seven days. Like, and then you land in Japan and the whole crew's going out to have like beer and ramen because like, why wouldn't you? You're in Japan. Yeah. And it's literally, it tastes better there. Everything's better in Japan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you're having, you're eating at, you know, two o'clock, let's say Hawaii time. Um, you're, you're just all over the place. So it takes a few years, I think, in my opinion, it's taken almost the whole five to truly kind of find a system that works for me. Like I religiously bring my own food. I always flight attendants always have dry food in their bags. We always have snacks, always having your stuff together, having, just figuring out having separate, a separate bag of your, all of your um, skincare needs, or I'm trying to think of the word toiletry bag just for travel. And then one just for home, like having two sets of everything. Yeah. It becomes a skill and uh, it takes a while to, to, to get it for sure. You know, I love, I, I, and I'm so happy you, you, we can share this, but so yeah, talk about, I see that you bring your own food and I love seeing like what you're taking on your flights on stories. So talk about like, uh, like, like what you said, like every day is different. Every flight's different. It can change minute by minute, whenever you're in the air, whatever, but what's it like from like when a flight starts, like the doors close to like when you land, like what's your like routine in the air, like with your food, with your supplements, skincare? Okay. Yeah. On my flight routine, usually, um, if I'm going outer Island, like to Maui to take a flight, which is very common for me. Um, one, because I'm junior 
So, because <laughs> uh, a lot of desired flights are straight out of Honolulu, but we have a lot of outer island flights too. So they'll deadhead me over. So my day might start, let's say my check-ins at 7.30. Um, I'll have that morning, maybe a banana to start and take my waffles with me or my paleo birch bender waffles I love. Um, I also pack a yogurt. I pack my lunch, let's say, and then I'll go to the airport. I'll maybe eat my piece of fruit on the way to Maui, get there. I always get a Starbucks in Maui and some sweet potato chips because it's a very toxic trait in life um, or anytime I'm in any airport. Um, and then once I get in the air, I usually maybe I'll snack on like a few like mixed nuts maybe before I start the first service, um, depending on what position I'm working on the aircraft. Um, and then I'll do the service. And then after that's done, we're allowed to eat. And so that's when I will make my lunch, whatever it is that day that I bring, usually salmon, because I'm obsessed right now. But I've also, you know, messed around with all veggies and falafels. And then I try not to eat after I'll have like, I'll have lots of other little snacks in between um, if I'm feeling that way. But I try to have like a really good breakfast. And then like a liner is what I call it. And then I'll bring, I've been really into the macro bars lately, or I'll have mixed nuts in my room, but I try not to eat in my, that night after we land um, because of the timing. And I just have found that for me, if that works, you know, not eating too late. And then I get up in the morning because usually we get in around, let's say 9 PM. If it's a two day trip, we have to leave the next morning at 5 AM. So it's like, even though it's 6 PM Hawaii time, technically and in your mind, you're like, well, it's dinner time. But I mean, I just ate a pretty yeah. large liner, if you will. And I've been snacking. I think I'm like, good. So that's what's been working for me. Everybody's different. A lot of flight attendants will make food in their room as well. But I just find that um, having a macro bar, if I'm really hungry, if not, I'll just, you know, and, and through all of that, I'm constantly chugging water. Yeah. That's I think that's important. Yeah, definitely water. I yeah. hope that answered it. I don't know. I kind of no, I think that's really helpful. And like, so do you do like, you have your toiletry bag for your travel, your trips? Like, do you, you do any skincare in flight or oh, yeah. do you not have time I, for that? Yeah. Or? I actually just did a whole reel on it, but I, um, I apply summer Fridays jet lag mask for me. I run really dry, which I, again, didn't know because growing up in Florida with the humidity, I didn't think about it. And then living in Hawaii, I just kind of would slap on my moisturizer and then be fine. But flying has showed me that, yes, you are a dry lady. <laughs> so um, I do like to add, so for me in the air, I do find that my face gets a little dry, even with the mask and stuff. So I add, I do like to do summer Fridays jet lag mask. I find that it brightens up my eyes around my eyes sometimes. And then just in general, my face. So uh, that's about the extent of what I'll do for my skincare in the air. Although I'm constantly also after sanitizing my hands, I do this thing called hand masking, which I encourage every flight attendant that flies with me do. But since we wear gloves, I always put lotion on and then my gloves. So I feel like I'm hand masking while I work. I love that. That's a major thing for me. Anyone that flies with me knows that. <laughs> I'm like, we're it's hand important because hands yeah. show ants like show aging way faster than your face does, especially like your neck and your hands, your chest. Like that's where you see it. So and I mean, as the saying goes, you can always tell the age of a woman by her neck, chest, and hands. So yeah. I am pretty uh religious about the hand masking while you work. Yeah. Um yeah. no, but I think that that's a good tip. I like that. Um yeah. So you said 
you said like your room. So do, does the, the airline pay for that or does it? Yeah, so the airline puts us up in the hotel, pays for our shuttle. And then we get a per diem, which is like an hourly rate, depending on where, what city it is to like supplement food purchase. Nice. That's a good. So not until your paycheck. So it's kind of like, you're still spending your own money, I don't know. but it, they definitely supplement, give you money. You know, they take care of you hundred percent. I love that. That's good. Yeah. So what's your favorite you've been doing this for five, five years now. What's your favorite like trips that you've been on? Like when you land and you go on like location and you're out and about, like what's, what are your favorites? I, you know, first of all, I just have to say so much of your experience where you are is because of your crew and, um, flight attendants really take care of each other. And also they love to tell each other what to do, like not what to do is, like oh don't do it this way well they like to do that too but I mean like more like you have to go to this coffee shop to have this donut with this coffee and then like the whole crew does it or we have to go to this place to have ramen because like that's what another flight attendant told them and stuff so it's a real cult like following in that way where like we all go to the same places because someone else told us it was really good and we're also just like chronic shoppers. I don't know how this happened, but like shopping is a big thing also. But no, my favorite adventures have been like New Zealand. Um, we've had like three day trips there and I had a great crew. Shout out to B&B, Bianca and Brandon. They let me tag along with them. And we did like a nine hour cave tour and zip line through a cave and just crazy things like that. Um, we there's a lazy river in the cave. We, That's so cool. I want to do that. Uh, we pair up, like, I can't think of the word right now, but were you, oh, we propelled ourselves like 20 feet down the cave. It was all for the um, glow worms. And I'm, I don't even know if that's the name of them, but it was wild. And then we went and had oysters in like Savion Blanc and like flew out the next day. It was amazing. And then I've gone to China. Um, Brisbane's been one of my all time favorites because, uh, I've gone to the Goldie and I'm a surfer and I've gone to go surf over there. So that was like really amazing. One time I got to bring Simon and we got an Airbnb and he was like, on my, we were on a surf trip, but I was getting paid. I love so, that. Yeah. There's, and I love Japan. I mean, I, I, because I'm from Florida and I moved to Hawaii, I honestly have never seen snow. And so when I got this job, the first time I saw snowfall was in, in Chung, Korea. And that is was- so freaking cool. It was so rad. Yeah. And it was like after Korean barbecue in the streets and it was just like this magical moment. And then the first time I ever saw snow like piled on the ground, like actual snow was in Chitose, Japan. And they had like a beer festival and it was just like, I was with a good friend on the trip and it was just like so amazing. Um, A lot of flight attendants even go snowboarding and stuff. So I don't have a favorite, favorite destination, but I definitely, if if anyone's been following me for a while now, or you can look at my highlights, I I make best use of my time in destinations. And as you should, like, yeah, Yeah. no, I, hello, duh. Um, In Sean, I will say I'll never go to another American baseball game again, because Korean baseball kind of trumps all of that. Like there's just, yeah, it's cool. I think the coolest thing for me is just being immersed and culture shocked over and over again it's that's so special it's such a special thing to to be able to immerse yourself in the culture and like I I, something that we were talking about off air like me being Hispanic like I love being immersed in culture whether that's another Latin culture or you know going to Italy and I went to London and like going to Paris and I love like 
experiencing their culture. And I want to do, I want to do South America and I, I want to do Africa and Asia eventually yeah. and Australia, New Zealand, like, and just like, like I studied abroad in Europe and like living, like basically living there for a shorter period of time. Like I was like, I, I, and I, you guys get to do that repeatedly in all these different cool yeah. places. So that's for it. so cool. <laughs> so when you say, so when you say three day trip, does that mean like you're on the, at the destination for three days and you're not flying? Okay, yeah. So, um, because of where Hawaii is centrally located, our trips in particular, um, we're kind of like a, a stepping stone to the Pacific. Um, I don't know how to say it, but the Trans-Pacific. So like we're the meeting point between the mainland, which we call mainland uh, USA. So between Japan, Australia, New Zealand, um, all of those countries, China, Korea, you can stop in Hawaii. So we have direct from there. So our three-day trips, what that means is like, um, I'll leave at two o'clock in the afternoon and I'll try and follow me here on a Friday. And I will land Saturday night in Japan. That counts for us as that day. And then we have that night and then the next, so we go in, we'll get in, let's say nine, 7 PM Japan time, go have dinner or whatever. Um, and then the next morning, we usually get up early because almost all of our trips in particular, because again of our time zone and where we're at, our, our international trips also coming home are red eyes. So we'll have the entire next day and then we leave at like 1030 at night in whatever country, whatever day it is then. And then we arrive the next so we'll day. 1030 night, let's say. So I get there, it's Saturday night. Then we leave 1030 at night on Sunday night there we'll get to Hawaii Sunday morning at like 11 a.m. So it's like you kind of time travel. Yeah, I was like, that's like, my head is like spinning. I know. Like, Basically, it's it becomes like a three, it's a three-day trip technically, but you're only two there days. for like, I don't even know, maybe 30 hours, something along those lines. Yeah, so that's cool. So you mentioned that Simon, your boyfriend joining you. So how, and we were talking a little bit about that. So for one of the perks is that you do get to have, people like join you on some of these trips so what for people who want to be flight attendants like or you know what what's that like having being able to join you on those trips yeah I'd say it's super special I mean even if it's your best friend and not your significant other I've also found myself although I've had an amazing companionship within my company of other flight attendants nothing's quite as special as sharing it with someone that you just love and like I said, you, you know, whether it's your, you want to look over at someone and share that with them. So I, I have friends, I try and get my, one of my best friends, Liz, I've been trying to get her to just hop on, you know, people have lives. So you forget, you know, my yeah. boyfriend's probably like, I can't just hop on your flight, you know, <laughs> but whenever I can like get them to do it, I try to, because it's so, it's so cool to share that experience with them and let them see like how we kind of roll it as a crew too, you know, because again, it, it really depends on your crew, but it can be like, it's usually a great time, you know? So, yeah. and it's just a different experience. I would say like flight attendants maximize their time wherever they are. So, yeah, that's so cool. I, we were joking that like, you're going to take me on one of those trips, but I, I think that's yeah. so cool. Like I, I would love to, yeah. And I think, and it's totally true. Definitely the crew, but like getting to share that and show like, Hey, this is what I do. Like I yeah, and then like Simon's flight attendant when he was in first class before, and then also like they kind of see because 
a lot of people, like you can tell them all about what you go through, but then when they experience it with you, they're like, God, are we there yet? Like we still have to take the shuttle. Like, yeah, it's a lot, you know, um, there's a lot you that, yeah, that doesn't get shown on TV and movies or even you sharing so much of it on stories. There's still parts there, everything, you know, there's art, there are guidelines. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, talking about sharing things on, so back to babe on a mesh. Yes. How did, when did that start? How did that start? You've interviewed some really cool people on babe on a mish. You do dish on a mish. Like talk about that, your brand, your, your, your platforms, your blog and your Instagram. Yeah. Thanks so much. I actually came up with babe on a mish before I became a flight attendant. Um, I really saw Instagram moving as a, in that way. Like I wanted to always, actually, I always wanted to be like babe on a budget. Um, because living in Hawaii, I felt like at the time in like 2016, Instagram was like, not as relatable, you know, there was taking photos on the beach in like $300 bathing suits. And like, that just to me, wasn't what the local culture that I was experiencing was. Um, like you can't afford to go out to eat. Just, there's a lot of things that I felt like, no, I wanted to show other things, but babe on a budget was taken. So, um, and I always said, like we were talking, um, of course, before, like, you're always on a mesh, you know, like we, I yeah. used that word in my life many times. And yeah. so I did, you know, babe on a mesh. I just thought it was catchy. I thought it really embodied like who I was. I was always like surfing or working or doing something like I'm just kind of a busy body in that way. <laughs> um, and then when I became a flight attendant, it really kind of, you know, fit. So, but is I've always, Babe on a Mission has always been a real passion project for me. I, growing up, I loved Cosmopolitan. I loved magazines. I loved teen. I loved Clarissa Explains It All on Nickelodeon. Um, I, you know, I loved Sex in the City. I just loved like sharing information and talking to a camera. And I just really loved magazines. And for me, babeonamish.com is like my own personal magazine. I think that's so and- cool more than anything, I love providing value to people. Um, I feel like all women are bloggers, you know, like in a way our Instagrams are mini blogs. I feel like even just you tell a woman in the line at the grocery store, like I love your dress. And she's like, I got it at Marshall's for $15 and it has pockets. Like that is, (laughs) I love that. You know, like we're, we inherently want to share with each other little tips and tricks and everything. And I, love that. You know, I really do. And so I wanted to start a blog forever. Um, for that reason, honestly, I just thought it was so rad, but I just didn't do it. And, um, I got really caught up, like I said, in the first couple of years of being a flight attendant, it's really busy and stuff and it still is, but my time management was off and I just had no idea how to go about it. So you posted something today that I, I heard too late and I wish I would have heard earlier, but it was, launch and adjust. And I heard that from Lauren. Yeah. Skinny confidential. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't like say or emphasize that enough for people because I wish I would have started sooner, but here we are. And, um, I just, so dish on a mish is something that actually another friend helped me coin the term because I love sharing recipes. Food's a really big part of my life. I come from a family of foodies and I'm always just trying to put a healthier spin on it. Um, I'm Italian. So, you know, I grew up eating everything and I love to indulge, but also have learned to know what my body can and cannot handle. Um, so 
and I just feel like it's really relatable. So that's Dish on a Mish. And then when the pandemic happened, um, I really got to dive into what more I wanted to do with Babe on a Mish. And I did Babe on a Mish of the Month. And I feel really proud of the lineup that I've been able to interview. And it's men and women. And it's just for people that inspire others and hearing their story. It took a little bit of a hiatus, but it's coming back next month. Yay, I, I love that series. I'm really happy you're bringing it back. Everyone needs to go check yeah. it out. Yeah, it was, I feel like everyone from Sarah Nelson to Chris Amore, Suvan Ayla, Lily Adele, um, local, you know, two guys on a plane, which a lot of flight attendants will know that one. But yeah, it's been, it's been so rad. I love it so much. And it's, I just, I love sharing information. I love creating content. I find that like, yeah. I really want, I would love this to be more of a full-time job and then being a flight attendant be something on the side, but- um, Maybe one day, never know. Yeah. yeah, but I I just, I love having a community. I love, I mean, to me, people are like, you know, social media, to me, I, I don't think social media is fun unless you're using it almost in that way or, or- just connecting with people, you know, the connection, the, the networking and like the building. I was talking about this on another episode with someone who's also a content creator, like that community of friends that same thing as being a flight attendant, same thing as also like, they get what you're going through. They get what you're doing. They get it. And it's like, you can share tips and tricks and like, like, Oh, do this. Or have you tried this editing tour? Did you see what this person did? Like, do you like that? Like they get it. And I think that's so cool. I agree. I think if you know, not everyone, I think is everyone is an influencer. Everyone is a blogger in their own way. So like, if you're, you're utilizing those tools and those resources, like it doesn't have to be like, you can't be doing it to make money off of it. You have to do it because you love it and creating the content you want to see. And like, you can yeah, genuinely tell like that's what you're doing and you love it. And like hearing, like not everyone can see you right now, but you have a smile on your face. Like, as you talk about this, that's so cool. That's so special. And like, as a fellow content creator, like I can see that in your content, you know, and it shows. I, I, you know, at my age group, especially, um, I feel like there's a little bit of a stigma around it. And even within my own friend group at first, you know, a lot of people think that it's, well, it just got a bad rap, you know, early on, like most things like, you know, carbs got a bad rap in the nineties. What can I say? So, (laughs) but look, we all love them. So, you know, it's like, if it wasn't for bloggers and influencers, let's just be real. Your feed would be kind of boring. So, I mean, you pick and choose. Yeah. And I, I kind of just feel like I, some people say what everyone's thinking and I've just found my footing in it and my stride and I love it. Like I said before, we're all babes on a mish in the air on the ground and let's just be on a mish together and create that community. Cause we are <laughs> the best influence are each other, you know, and hearing different thoughts and views and tips and tricks and stuff like that. And I feel like, you know, it makes it fun. Yeah. I think that's such a great place to end. Um, we've talked about so much and I just, I generally, I'm so happy that we got to do this because there's so many great tips in here, not just about, um, blogging and influencing and content creation, but just flight being a flight attendant, what that really is like. And I think it's such a, I think we all at one point think like, Oh, I want to do like, that would be cool because you get to travel everywhere. And like, but like, no, it's glamorous, but it's, it's hard work. So I like hearing that, that take on it. And I love that you, you showcase that on your content as well. So where can everyone find you, share all your handles, your blog, everything? Um, across all platforms, I'm at babe on a mish and it's babe underscore on underscore a underscore mish. Or if you just type it in, it should come up. So that's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, 
Pinterest, and YouTube. Um, and then all of my pride and joy is babeonamish.com. And I slide into my DMs, ask me anything. I'm really open to dialogue. I get, you know, I apologize. Sometimes it's delayed. I'm sometimes I'm just not there. So yeah. Um, yeah. And the time I, change. <laughs> yeah, the time change, all of it. But I thank you so much for having me. I've followed you for a little bit now too. And you're always providing value. I love what you put up. I love that you're doing this podcast. I'm so happy thank to you. connect with you. And thank you so much. Yay. Thank you. Thank you.